see the families here and the kids here and uh, as we've said our vision our vision has been and the board's vision is that we're an intergenerational church and uh, that we are a church for all generations the holy spirit moves in all generations and so god has been helping us with that and so it's so good to look out and see uh, the families uh, that's the last slide guys that's not the first so i don't know what's going on there we don't want you to go through all the slides one by one. If you could just bring it down and put it back up, please. Yep, thanks. Thanks, Marin. Um, so I looked at Easter this week, and actually we've been looking through Lent. There you go. Thanks a lot. Uh, we, we are looking at, you know, Mark, and Mark is that book that we've been looking at that says immediately, quickly. Mark is the first gospel. So it seems like Mark has got this need, Right. We believe he got his information from Peter, and he wrote it down. And so one of the things that when I go to prepare this passage, what you hear in all, all of the commentaries, they all talk about the ending of Mark. Because what happened to the end of Mark? Mark couldn't have meant to leave it there. If you look in your Bibles, you'll see this thing where it says alternate ending, right? We're not going to get into that today. That does not do anything for my soul. Amen? You want to argue about that? Maybe we could do that a Wednesday night. We could do a class on that, about this extra ending of Mark. Uh, but the interesting thing with Mark, Mark wants to get the word out. And, and so you see this with the resurrection because it's only eight verses. It's the shortest version of the resurrection. He's just saying, this is what happened. So if we're not careful, we can lose sight of the significance of the resurrection. Now here's the reality today for us. Uh, this is our second Easter in the pandemic. Who thought we'd be here a second Easter? I think we all had hoped we'd be through this by now. <laughs> but praise God, we're in person today. I get to see you. I can only do the Queen's wave. <laughs> can't give you a hug. Can't get up close. You can never see. I'm looking out. I don't know if you're smiling or sticking your tongue out at me. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, thank goodness we're able to be in person, realizing, if, as we keep saying this, because we don't want ever to take this for granted, this is one thing we've learned through the pandemic, is, is there's other places in Canada today, they're not able to gather and meet. Uh, we were watching services in England, and we've been watching services in Italy, they're not able to meet. And so we have a privilege today, a blessing today, to be able to sit in a pew on this Easter Sunday and be together. So you should, even that should encourage you today if you've been discouraged. And so we need to be mindful and be praying for those. But, you know, COVID-19, this pandemic has changed things. Some people say, oh, when things go back to normal, everyone is saying the new normal. There is no going back. In history, it never goes back. It only moves forward. And we're called to learn from the changes and what we've been entering into. And it didn't catch God by surprise. God knew what was coming. This has been a hard season. It's been a season of fear and loneliness, chaos, despair, uncertainty, and for many, tragedy and even terrible loss. We've been spared a lot here in Prince Edward Island. Another thing to be very, very thankful for. Here's a word that's come out. Pivot. Have you heard that word? We've been hearing it all over the place. Pivot, pivot. Now, when I think of pivot, you know what I think of? I think of basketball. I think, and I did play basketball, believe it or not, for a very short season. 
not very long. Um, and, and I remember pivoting, right? Getting planted, and you need to pivot in order to protect that ball. That's what we think about. That's what I think about when I first hear pivot. But pivot is a word that they've used for a while, uh, but it's becoming more to the forefront in the business world because pivoting in the business world is when you take on a new career or business or you take your career or business in a new direction. That's a pivot. And we know people who have pivoted, who have decided that this business is going in one direction and now it's time to do something different. I like what the Policy Options uh, website said, transformational pivots take place when a crisis leads to a fundamental rethinking, direction, and action. A crisis takes place that leads to a fundamental rethinking, Direction or redirection and action. You know what, church? I think it's time to pivot. I, I think what we're going through as the church of Jesus Christ, God is wanting to pivot us in a new direction. Oh, we're planted. We're planted on our foundation. We're planted upon the rock. But maybe God wants us to do things a little differently than what we've done in the past. A pandemic, though, one of the nice things that I've been enjoying hearing are the good stories. You like the good stories when you watch the, t uh, the television, when you watch the news? Every once in a while, we just hear so much of the same things, and all of a sudden, you'll hear a silver lining story, right? And it just helps us to see people who have entered into this shift, who have pivoted. Look at this one. I like this one. Nona Narina. Nona Narina lives about an hour north of Rome, and she was famous for her pasta cooking courses. Where's Troy? Troy says, yeah, he's, he's on for that one. Uh, and, and so I'm sure that's homemade pasta. Have you ever had homemade pasta? And, and so she would have groups, tour groups come up, and she would do classes, and she was teaching how to make homemade pasta. Well, then they were in complete shutdown in Italy. She's 84 years old, Nonna Narina, and everything changed. Well, then her granddaughter, Chiara, came and helped Nonna, which means grandmother. Nonna is how we say nanny. Uh, Nonna Narina, and they decided to do her cooking courses online. And so now at 84 years old, Nonna Narina teaches people how to make pasta online. So she's a person who has pivoted. She's decided to make the necessary shift. Now, some of the hockey players have heard about this one. Bauer. Bauer wasn't selling a lot of hockey equipment when the pandemic first hit. There wasn't a lot going on. So Bauer decided, well, there's a need. You know what we're going to get into? We're going to get into the business of making face shields for the frontline workers instead of making hockey helmets. Now, of course, they're probably back to making hockey helmets, but that was a company who saw the need and who began to make a pivot, who began to make a shift. And they are now in new areas of business. Why do I say all this? We're not here to talk about When we think of Good Friday, when we think of what the Lord has gone through for us, the agony he went through, he suffered, he died on the cross, his body was nailed to that cruel cross, his body was left in that dark, cold tomb. It was a time of terrible confusion, fear, chaos, tragedy for the followers of Jesus. All their hopes were dashed. 
And then our scripture says, one morning, when the Sabbath was passed, one morning, one sunrise, our scripture starts. Our passage today opens with this great pivot. It's the night, it's dark, it's the Saturday stuck in between, the not knowing, the not understanding. We see that disciples must have been so distraught, shattered hopes, broken dreams, desolate spirits, wounded and frightened hearts, dark and dreary days ahead it seemed, a day in which the future was grim and their brightest hopes had collapsed. Now remember, we got hindsight. We know about the resurrection. They don't at this point. These disciples crushed, their hopes dashed, tried to live through Saturday, tried to live through the Sabbath with no hope for the future, no belief in the resurrection. Every act that day must have been drudgery and torture for them. Every fiber of their being cried out, what's the use? Why should we go on? I want to give up. We've talked about that. I want to throw in the towel. And so there's this reality of where they are at. And you know, the truth of it is, there are times when we feel exactly like that. Stuck in Saturday. Do you know there's some psychologists that are saying this generation, and I think you could add it to the pandemic, that we are Saturday's children? We are Saturday's children. We are the ones who are stuck in the Sabbath in between Friday and Easter in that dark place often, not knowing where to go, where to turn, what is going to happen to us. I like this little story, though. It's cute. A woman said that her great-grandson asked why she had so many wrinkles on her, on her hands as he touched her hands. I'm old, she told him. Do you know what happens when you get old, he asked? You die and they bury you in the ground. <laughs> Gotta love kids, eh? Before she could even say anything to respond it, he added, but that's okay, because God comes and unburies you. <laughs> Pretty simple. Childlike faith. God comes and unburies you. See, we get buried by circumstances and life and worries and problems over and over again. And God comes to our tombs and swings wide that stone and begins to help us again to be unburied. Easter, my friends, is this great shift in all of history, in all of humanity, when all of a sudden the morning came and the sun began to shine. Like every sunrise, every sunrise, oh, the evening is dark, the long hours of the night, as I wait with the Lord through the hours of the night, the psalmist told us, but there's a morning that comes, the morning, the dawn, you can be guaranteed that the sun is going to shine every morning. That's the natural rhythms that God has put in place, and I believe that in the spiritual realms too, the night does not last forever. The night has its time, and then that moment comes when the sun begins to break through and begins to rise. I believe that's what Easter is for the church. I believe it's that pivotal point in church history. Three days, the weekend that changed the world. Easter is history's pivot. I like what Lou Giglio says. Debt canceled. Guilt 
canceled. Shame, canceled. Condemnation, canceled. Wrath, canceled. Eternal punishment, canceled. Religion, canceled. Salvation by works, canceled. Self-righteousness, canceled. The powers of hell, canceled. Separation from God, canceled. The grave, canceled. Death is canceled. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. It is the great pivot in all of history when we see that that tomb is empty. So it's sunrise and it's a new week, a new day of a new week. And these women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, are bringing spices. They're bringing oils to anoint the body. Now, apparently, this is a historical fact for the history buffs. A a tomb was used to bury many people in Jesus' day. And, And so that's why it's important that Scripture says to us it was a new tomb. It was a, 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 a borrowed tomb. It wasn't, his, it wasn't his family's tomb. It was a borrowed tomb, and it was a new tomb. He is the first body that is laid in that tomb. But that tomb would have been made and laid there for many, many bodies for a family. It would be a family grave. And so one of the reasons why they anointed the bodies so much so was as the body would decay and they would go to lay other bodies in there, that there, there wouldn't be the same stench. And so this is why the, uh, the anointing and the spices and the oils. So these ladies don't have a lot of hope for Jesus. Think about it. They're coming to anoint him, and they're coming to give spices on his body. They're coming to weep over him. They're coming to mourn over him. They're coming to deal with the reality of their loss, their brokenness, their grief. And then... On top of it, on the way, they're thinking about, well, how are we going to roll that stone? Their hearts are heavy. The stone even represents the heaviness of their hearts. There's a big stone been put there. Apparently, those stones are about 1,000 pounds. Those three women couldn't roll that stone if they wanted to. And yet they still decide to go with heavy hearts, ready to anoint this body and to weep over Jesus. And lo and behold, as they get close, they notice that the tomb, the stone, has been rolled away. It's rolled away. What's happened? You can see already in their confusion what's going on here. And then they begin to realize that this place of death, this heaviness has not just rolled away, but this place of death is empty. His body isn't there. He is risen. You know, it's always amazing when you see it that the fact that that tomb was a borrowed tomb, but it wasn't needed very long, was it? And so now it is empty again. We know that there were guards stationed at that tomb, and that tomb and that stone was sealed with a great Roman seal, and even the power of Rome, the very enemy that crucified him, were not able to keep that stone across that grave. And as they look into the tomb, there is a messenger. And he says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. Or this one version says, he is risen. He is not here. 
See, he says to the women, this same Jesus that you know, this one that you followed around, that Jesus of Nazareth, the one you accompanied on the hills of Galilee and Judea, the very one just a few days ago, you seen him nailed to a cruel cross. You saw his blood shed from his side. That same one whom you are seeking today, that dead body, he is not here. He is risen. The pivot the great pivot in the moment of when they're coming to look for death, there is now life. Then Jesus, then the messenger said, he is not here. He's not just only risen. He is not here. See, some people think, oh, it was only a spiritual resurrection, but the proof is here. His body isn't here. The messenger says, the angel tells him, his body isn't here. He didn't have some spiritual resurrection, but his body, which was fallen, which was like yours, which was human, is up out of that grave, risen. It's not here. It's not here. Often we can lose sight of the fact that Jesus is that person, he is the new Adam who has come to cancel everything that the old Adam has done, right from creation. When Adam and Eve fell and were disobedient, the Son of God came as the new Adam to be obedient to God, obedient even unto death. And it is there that he's taken on your body and my body, and he has redeemed it and redeemed it in such a way that up from that grave it rose and it is no longer there. Yes, he's fully God, but he was fully human. And the body isn't there. And praise God, he is a person still today. He is a person still today, a human person with a human body. Changed, yes. Different, glorified, yes. Something we can all look forward to. But that human body rose from the dead and that human body ascended, and that human body today, the new Adam, is standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf and my behalf, the first fruits of the harvest of resurrection. He is standing there. He is not here. He is there. See, we don't worship a, a tomb. We don't worship. Somebody said that. We spoke about that on Wednesday night. Why don't Christians gather and worship the tomb? People go and do tours of it, but we don't gather there and worship at a tomb because it's empty. It's not a shrine. It's not something we bow down to because we know he is alive. And he's not just alive in spirit, my friends. He's alive in his body today. We need to get that as a church. And so that is why we know that there's hope for this body. There's hope for your body. When he says on that day when he shall come and we too shall rise, we too will have glorified bodies like his body. You're looking confused. And then he says, it continues on the angel, he says, he's not just risen and not here, but he goes before you. He says to them, he goes before you into Galilee. And so he's waiting there for you. So this risen Lord is now waiting for humanity to meet with him and to have fellowship with him. And we know in other gospels what that looks like. It looks like the first men's breakfast. Jesus on the shore cooking fish. 
Fish is probably a pretty good breakfast. Well, we know a few people like salt cod, salt fish for breakfast. Are you guys awake today, alive? You're also very quiet, like as Janice says, it's the masks. And, and so, you know, we know that. He meets with them, he sups with them, he fellowships with them. And so the messenger is saying to these ladies, he's there in Galilee waiting for you. What's that say to me? Christ is available for you today. Christ is alive and he's available for me today. And we can go to him at any time and any moment. Now here's an important statement that is made. And Peter. Sometimes we can go over this passage very quickly and not see this. And then he says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Who's Peter in this situation? Peter's the failure. Peter's the one who denied Jesus three times, who let him down. Remember we talked about the sunrise of the morning? Well, what happens to Peter in one of the last scenes that we see? Peter goes out into the night, Scripture says, out into the dark, and he weeps bitterly for what he has done. And most people will often think there's no turning back. There's no turning back. I, I've let the church down. I've let Jesus down. I've let my family down. There's no turning back. But you know what this tells me? That's not true. There's always an opportunity. There's always a turning back. And we might have turned our back on Jesus, but praise God, Jesus never turns his back on us. And even the messenger comes with the message to these girls. You go tell the disciples, yes, who are gathered somewhere. That would say to me, wherever they're gathered in fear and weeping, Peter is not there. And he makes a point to say, but don't forget Peter. Go find Peter and tell him we know the Gospels tell us this wonderful picture of restoration of Peter, and then Peter becomes that rock that Jesus called him in the church as you move into the book of Acts. And so we see that, that this is a pivot. There is this change that happens here and happens for these three girls, happens for the disciples, happens for Peter. But I want to say to you today, why is Easter so important? My friends, it's pivotal. Like basketball, you got to stay on that point and you do not move. Easter for us as the church of Jesus Christ is pivotal. It is non-negotiable. Just like Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Those are three things that are crucial to our faith as the church of Jesus Christ. Many people would say, well, why, why would we celebrate Easter? What's the point? The point is our God is alive. We've already said that. We do not serve a God that we've made with our hands, that we bow down in the corner of our living room to. Our God, you can't hold him. You can't contain him. He is alive. That's what Resurrection Sunday tells me. My God is alive, and if he's alive, then he's able to help me today with my issues and my concerns and my needs. That's important. Jesus said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave, Revelations. Do you know what else it tells me? Our God is true. What he speaks is true. What he, his word says is true. I can, I, can, I can go to the bank on that. 
You see, all the prophecies that are written in here were fulfilled in Christ. Christ even prepared his disciples as we looked at. Three times he told them that he was going to suffer, that he was going to die, and on the third day he was going to rise again. God's word is truth. And if all of that is true, then it also says when he says he's going, one day is going to come, the trump is going to sound, and he is going to come, he's coming again for us, his church, the bride, then you can believe it that that's true too. Our salvation is sure. And if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is useless and you are guilty of your sins, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost, Paul said to the church in Rome. But Christ has risen and is risen. Therefore, our salvation, my friends, is sure. And we can have that eternal assurance in our hearts. We also know that we have life. If our uh, Lord and God is not dead, but he is alive, he is alive that he can now be the one who can issue life to us. I can receive life abundantly, full of glory, hallelujah, and I get to receive eternal life, hallelujah, because he is the giver of life, not just the creator of life, but now he has shown us that he is also the giver of of life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. And we can have victory over sin. If he took this fallen body, sinful, now Jesus was without sin, that's why he could become the perfect sacrifice, but if he took humanity's sin upon himself and it was nailed to a cross and it was dealt with once and for all, then I can have victory over sin. If I depend upon his power, power that rose him from the grave, we sang about it, then I too can be victorious when it comes to sin. Therefore, my life has pivoted. My life is not the same as it used to be back in night before 1984. My life changed on 1984. And it was never the same, and it will never be the same again because of Jesus Christ and his victory over sin. He gives me now victory over sin. And praise God, we are told that we are co-heirs with Christ, and therefore we share in his riches and glory Colossians 1.27 says, and this is the secret, Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. And my friends, we have a hope. Amen? We have a hope. Are you have hope today? We have hope. There's something that we shared a little bit last night in prayer, but there's something that a sociologist shared many years ago that most Canadians feel pretty good about themselves and are just fine. They don't need Christ and they don't need his church. But the one thing that the sociologist found that Canadians said they didn't have is hope. Well, you know what? I think a pandemic would make that worse. There wouldn't be a lot of hope. We know on Resurrection Sunday, the great pivot, that this shows us that we have a future hope. 
We have something to look forward to. I just don't look back and say, well, that was always the good old days and now everything's going downhill. God help us if that's how we talk as the church. Everything, I love what somebody says, I don't look for the undertaker, I look for the upper taker of my soul. Hallelujah. I'm moving upward and onward. Oh, as I said, the body might be wasting away. But I'm moving forward and upward to be with the Lord because I have an eternal home and an eternal hope. And that's what Resurrection Sunday says. Hallelujah. I'll say it myself. Hallelujah. Not just Pastor Mike. I don't shout it as loud as him. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 to 23, Paul said to the church in Corinth, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, Everyone who belongs to Christ, the new Adam, will be given a new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. I think of the farmers as they go out and they start harvesting that first field and they bring in that first harvest. That's that picture that Paul is saying. That's Christ and his resurrection. It is that first harvest the excitement of it, and you go out and see that, but then there will come a day when all the harvest will come in, and we will be resurrected with our Lord. So church, Easter is the greatest pivot in all of history. This is why we continue as the church of Jesus Christ to celebrate Easter after Easter after Easter after Easter. This morning, even in lockdown around the globe, as the sun began to rise on this Easter Sunday, Christians all around the globe began to gather online, in person, and began to shout in the many, many languages, He is risen, and others responded, He is risen indeed, because life has changed. That moment when he came up out of that grave, that Easter morning. You notice that chapter 16 begins with the darkest day in human history, Black Saturday, when Jesus laid in that cold, dark tomb. But it ends with women leaving the empty tomb filled with such joy and awe and exploding hope that they dare not breathe a word to anyone. They were just amazed at what they had just experienced, confused that first Easter morning. One morning changed everything. I know for me, back in 1984, a Sunday morning, everything changed. Everything changed. One morning Changed the life of Betty Zita. You could say the same. I hope you can. Today could be the morning that everything could change for you. One morning can change everything. We're in the midst of a pandemic. There could be one morning when all of a sudden the news would hit the other parts of the world, probably down in New Zealand and Australia first, and it'll begin to spread across the globe. One morning, everything can change. Do we believe that? I believe that we believe that. Because we are children of the resurrection. We pass the dark Saturday and we move into glorious Sunday. That's why the church of Jesus Christ now worships on Sunday. That is why every Sunday we gather. And every Sunday we gather in his name. We're celebrating the resurrection together. That's why it's important for us to continue to continue to gather together with the brethren, to continue to worship together, because every Sunday we come together, we are celebrating the resurrection. 
And it's so important for us to do that until he returns. And so the church proclaims Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. They're words of pivot. Everything has changed. We are a new people. We recall the stones that blocked our way. He is risen. They are removed. Name your loved ones who died that are even planted out in that cemetery. Christ is risen and they will one day be unburied. Count your sins. Well, Christ is risen and he wants to forgive you today. Let Jesus down like Peter while he wants to meet with you today. Stand before God. Christ is risen. My friends, the church here in Elmsdale 2021, you are loved. These are the words of Easter, of the resurrection. It's not just today, but it is every day. I love this quote. Hopelessness may be the saddest word in our language. Despair is the enemy of our souls. It can paralyze us, halt our progress, and cause us to lose our way. But hope wakens us like a light shining in the darkness. We can endure all things when our hope is centered in one who will never fail us, our Savior Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. I shared this before, but I feel it's important to share it here. Our family funerals, there's one song that we always sing. Uh, it's, It's just there. It's just in our order of worship. When a funeral is put together, it is there. And there's something that happens in the midst of losing and grieving a loved one that is, grief is a terrible thing. It's very, very difficult. It's dark. It's hard to get through it. But funerals are important for us as we celebrate the person's life. But more importantly, it's we gather around the family. We help them through this journey because they're having to let go and let God. And even in faith, there's that sweet, bitter reality, isn't it, when we've lost our loved one. And so we come in, our family comes in, and we're, we're very demonstrative. You know, we weep and, and we struggle and we're the wise God, I don't understand why. And, and we go through all of that and we have the opening words and we, we have a few songs that we sing, but there's a moment when our funerals pivot, when all of a sudden something changes. My stepfather's funeral, Keith Williams, that was from Time Valley here, my stepfather's funeral, my mom, that people that worked with my mom at Robert Bosch, came in, and after they left, they said, we've never been like a funeral to a funeral like that before. There, there was something there. Something happened in the middle of it. Uh, there was such joy. We, we've not been around funerals that there's joy. We don't understand that. You know when it happens? When we begin to sing that song that Gloria Gaither, Gloria and Bill Gaither wrote, you sang it this morning, do you realize that they just celebrated this year 50 years of that song? That song has been used in so many places around the globe in so many different languages to give encouragement to people in the darkest time and in the most difficulties. And you know the words, the words say, because he lives... I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Do we stop grieving? No. Is the pain all gone? No. But all of a sudden our focus is lifted. 
and we begin to look at the eternal hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden, you can almost see the moment in our family funerals when there is a complete shift that happens as people of faith. Why do I share that story this morning? These are difficult days. There's a lot of people talking about, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. There's a lot of people talking about the fact of weariness. And they call it pandemic weariness. Uh, people just don't want to get together like they used to, even tried. I mean, last year we did really good talking to each other through windows if need be, right? We were driving around, waving at people. Right now there's not a lot of stuff going on because people are just tired. They're just wearied. They're just discouraged. They just don't, they don't know what's going to happen next. This has now gone on for over a year. How much longer do we need to go through this? I don't have the answers to that. I think it's okay to talk about it. I think it's okay as people of faith to be real about it, our feelings and what we're sensing. But I also think that's not enough. I think as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to get our focus again on our resurrected Lord, that in one moment, everything changed. And in one moment, God can change our situation. God can change your situation, your heart, your struggles, your grief, your loss. And we can sing together that song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Would you stand with us? We're not going to sing that song we already have, but we're going to sing another song about the resurrection. Sometimes you need to look at your own soul and say, soul, why are you so downcast? <laughs> Get your eyes on Jesus. Begin to celebrate what this day represents. I'm ready to jump out of my skin. I don't know. I think maybe Mark is. There's a few of us that are. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And so let's, this is a very, very powerful song. And let's sing this together from the bottom of our hearts on this Resurrection Sunday. God bless you today. <laughs> 